it's our privilege this morning to have, to welcome actually, Sally Kentessi. Give her a hand. You don't know why you're clapping yet, do you? But Sally works for Queensland Baptists and is in the role of kids and families there, working to network pastors and churches in QB in this area. And today is actually Stand Sunday. And we are part of a global network of churches actually standing today together in the space of protecting and caring for vulnerable children across our world. And Sally has come to share a little bit more about her heart and this role that God has called her to, to help us learn and grow in this space as well. So thank you so much, Sally. A couple of questions for you. Tell us more about Stand Sundays and you parties, which you are sporting on your shirt today. Thank you. Thank you for having me here and uh, the team here too. Uh, So Stand Sunday, as Jodie said, is a global movement where Christians and churches stand in support of vulnerable children and families in their communities and particularly for the families and children in foster care. And so I'm really proud to stand here and say that we've joined global movement of people who are standing. Um, Stand Sunday is something that we have adopted as part of our You Parties ministry. Um, You Parties is a ministry resource that QB Kids, that's me, that's who I work for as part of uh, Queensland Baptist, um, ministry resources that we make for the church and church families um, to be able to use to take steps closer towards supporting foster families and children in foster care. So we have a range of resources and we actually have a desk here today um, that you can check out after the service just outside the doors where all of our resources are on the table. And if you're uh, watching online, then uh, our website, you can have a look at youparties.org.au. Um, and they're resources that help celebrate children. There's a party guide that teaches you how to help a foster family throw a party to celebrate a child in foster care to say we value you and we love you. Um, There's picnics you can throw to sit alongside foster families and get to know them and hear their stories. There's a bunch of resources, but basically the point is foster care can be a lonely journey. It's tough. It's so, so worthwhile. But uh, the, the local church can sit alongside and be a support of these families. So thank you for standing today. Excellent, Sally. Why is this an important priority for the church now? In Australia, we have around 50,000 children living in out-of-home and foster care and around 23,000 carers. In Queensland, we have over 9,000 children living in care and only around 5,000 carers, which means there are more children waiting for families than families waiting for children which if you're like me, I was before a couple of years ago before we started this journey, I didn't really know many of those statistics. And by and large, the Church of Australia is fairly unaware. Maybe we know one or two, if any, foster families at all. And yet this is primarily our calling, right? Because we are the adopted children of God. We have a God who calls Himself the Father to the fatherless. Take care of the orphans and the widows is what He instructs us. He says, as I have given you, give to others, freely given, freely give. We should be the people who are most ready to welcome into our homes the hurting and the brokenhearted and the vulnerable children in our communities. And yet we are not leading in this area. And so uh, Stand Sunday is a part of a movement for our churches to be able to go and meet these children, you know, we, we sing in that song, in mercy you came running. 
And so it would just be a beautiful picture to see church families running towards children who need homes to come and uh, to be with us and to know their worth in Christ. So uh, yeah, it would be beautiful to see churches leading in this space and knowing more about foster care. So if you wanna come and chat to us at the table, please do so. Well, it's Stand Sunday and we just wanna pray over this area, but church, let's stand as we do that. And actually, Sally, I wonder if you would pray into this space for us. And over the families, we do wanna acknowledge that we do have families in our community who are in this space with foster children, caring for kids who don't have homes. And we wanna encourage them and stand with them. Maybe God's got to put a call on you or been stirring in your heart in this space for a while. And, and today's a day to kind of move and act on that as well. So thank you, Church, and thank you, Sally. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is such an honour to call You Father, though we are Your beloved children. And God, as You have given to us, so we desire to give to others. This is Your Gospel of good news, that we would be the rescued children of Yours. And so God, we pray that that would be on our hearts and our mind as Your people, that we would go out and search and seek for the lost, that we would bring them home, Lord, and that many, many children would grow to know the Name of Jesus because of the hands and the feet of Your willing people. God, I pray as we're standing here today, if Your Holy Spirit is speaking to any families who wanna take a step closer on this journey, that You would prompt them to have those conversations that will lead them in that direction. God, I pray for the foster families in this church family, that You would hem them in with Your people, that they wouldn't stand alone on the outskirts and feel uh, lonely or unsupported, but they would be surrounded by a family who cares and who actively supports them in this ministry as they stand on the front lines, rescuing your children. God, I pray that Bridgman Baptist would be a light to the community and lead in this area, that we would see many children in this area specifically come home to loving families and that there would be more families waiting for children than children waiting for families in this area. Lord Jesus, we pray this in Your holy and precious and powerful Name. Amen. Thank you, Jodie. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you so much, Sally. Thank you, Church. If you're listening online, youparties.org.au for more information there too. We'd love you to feel a part of this as we gather today. Amen. He is the King of Kings. And before we sit this morning and hear from God's Word, I do just want to ask you, Church, to pray for one extra um, specific need this morning. And that is Pastor Trish, her husband, Mark, is um, very unwell with cancer at the moment. It's quite a critical time for for Mark. And so we know, church, the power of prayer as we join our hearts together and pray. We know that God is the God of the impossible. And we want to bring this request, this need to our great God this morning. So what I'd love you to do is just um, to just take, we're just going to take a moment just to lift this need up, to lift Mark up. Asking for a supernatural healing touch over Mark's life is what we're asking. That God be so near to Mark and Trish this morning. And so if you know the person next to you, you might just want to turn with them and pray, if not just to pray in your heart. But let's just take a moment now just to lift this need before our Heavenly Father this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, you hear the prayers of your people this morning. You do. We know, Lord, that 
that you, God, are able, Lord, that nothing is impossible for you. And so we pray, Lord, together we ask, Lord, would you come? Your supernatural healing touch over Mark's life is our prayer this morning. Lord, you be so near to Mark and Trish. Lord, they know your presence, your peace, your strength. Lord, being surrounding them. Lord, your love surrounding them this morning, we pray. But we commit this to you now, Lord. We ask, Lord, come, move in your sovereign power, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Please be seated. I want to add my welcome. It's so great to be sharing with you this morning. So good to be able to be part of the family of God. Uh, we're not meant to do the journey alone. I want to say welcome to those who are linking in online as well, um, those on the mezzanine and the chapel as well. Of course, our family services that have been happening this morning. We're so blessed to be able to gather together. And today we are continuing in our series in 2 Corinthians, and we're up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul talks to the theme of, of money and the grace of giving. Uh, if you've got your devices or your Bibles, you might want to turn there. But this is a, a topic where Paul explains God's perspective on this and something I'm quite passionate about because of my background in finance as well. Uh, recently, as a family, we had our driving holiday up to Cape York, 6,000 kilometres, right up to the tip of Australia and back again. In case you're wondering, yes, we did make it. We had a fantastic time, but I was in charge of accommodation for the trip. And we did a combination of camping in a tent and staying in cabins and motels. And my job was to look after all of that. And uh, when I was booking the accommodation, I was very keen to try and save as much money as possible in that process. And when I was booking the accommodation, I didn't look so much at the reviews, I looked more at the price. That was more what I was interested in. And when we were heading up to the Cape, one of our first stops was in Cairns, and we had a big day driving. We'd driven from Mackay all the way up to Cairns, about eight hours in the car, and by the time we got to Cairns, everyone was pretty keen to get out of the car and into our accommodation to rest for the night. Well, that was until they saw the accommodation where we were staying at that I had booked. Uh, when they saw where we were staying, they were not so sure. We had to bring the bags in from the car into our room and the kids were helping me bring all the bags in. And there was a, next door to our room, there was a group of young people stay, um, staying there and they were at the front of their room um, smoking and, and drinking and looked a little rough and my kids were a little bit concerned. I said, don't worry, just keep your eyes down. Don't look at anyone, just walk straight through them. We'll be fine. That didn't give them much confidence, I want to assure you. And then uh, I did talk up the fact there was a pool there, though. So I said, look, you know, there's a pool. How good is the pool just outside of our room? Uh, but then as we got into the room, um, my wife, Andrew, was there. She was already on Booking.com looking for alternate accommodation. <laughs> I knew uh, I was in a bit of trouble in that moment when that was the situation. Uh, and that's when Andrea asked me, she said, did you actually read the reviews when you booked the accommodation? I said, well, not really. The pictures look pretty good. The price was really good, I said, when I looked at that part of it in booking it. And then she said to me, do I need to check the rest of our accommodation for our holiday as well? I said, perhaps we might need to have a look at that. But it was now seven o'clock at night and, um, you know, trying to find another accommodation would have been impossible. So I managed to convince everyone, you know, let's just bunk in for the night. When you wake up in the morning, it's a fresh perspective on everything. And don't forget the pool, you know, we'll be able to use the pool in the morning. It's going to be great. So we all went to sleep. That was until around 3 a.m. in the morning uh, when our friends next door had obviously been out all night, came back and decided to continue their partying. Uh, and we heard this banging on our roof and then a splash into the pool right outside our window. 
And they decided it would be a good idea to run across the, the steel corrugated roof of our motel room and jump across into the pool right in front of our room. And then to party with some music, which then turned into fighting and banging and yelling. And it was actually quite, quite scary. Um, and I was lying awake at 3.30am in the morning and everyone else was wide awake and quite, quite uncomfortable, quite scared. And uh, I thought in this moment, this is definitely unredeemable now. Uh, totally, not even the pool can help me now. And uh, so at first light, we packed up and we moved out and Andrea found us some alternate accommodation and I did adjust the rest of our bookings for that trip as well. I did read the reviews from then on and I allowed a bit more money towards that part of our trip. But I wonder for you, what is your view of money? What is your perspective on it? Are you a spender or a saver? Are you a risk taker when it comes to money? Or are you more cautious when it comes to your finances and like to plan? Often our view of our, of, that we have of money will be shaped by our family of origin and what we experienced growing up. But one thing that we know for sure from all of the research is that this issue of money causes a lot of stress and worry and anxiety for many of us, for most of us, in fact. And that this issue to do with money is actually one of the greatest causes of tension and, and conflict and stress within a marriage relationship. So this is a big issue. And we are added to all of this, here we are in 2020, when it's been a time of incredible uncertainty financially, globally, right across the whole world. And as a nation, we have not escaped this either, as we head into our first recession in 30 years. So this is a really relevant topic for all of us today. And so the question for us is, well, what does the Bible have to say about money? What is God's perspective on this issue of our finances and our possessions and the resources that we have. And so today we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 8 where we get a picture of, of what God's perspective is on this. Let me read it to you. It says this, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very, a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. How good is God's word? And this is his word to us this morning. And to give you the context here of this section of 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking about a collection of money that he is receiving to give towards the church in Jerusalem because they were doing it really tough. They had very little. They were under severe persecution. And he is telling the Corinthian believers who are a relatively prosperous church about another church, the Macedonian church, 
who he didn't expect to give anything at all towards this collection because they were doing it really tough as well. They were quite poor. He didn't even ask them to give anything financially towards this collection. But they, when they heard about this need, they were so eager, so keen. It says in verse 4 that they begged Paul for the privilege of sharing in this kingdom ministry of blessing the church in Jerusalem and the work that they were doing as they were reaching out and caring for others. What a response. Like this is radical generosity seen, seen here. And this is in contrast to the Corinthians who were relatively prosperous and they had agreed to contribute, first of all, at the start and given a financial gift, but now they had stopped their support. And uh, a few years ago, um, a true story that I heard recently is of a few years ago, a theologian, Heiko Oberman, who was with a group that he had brought from the US to visit a, a little town in China called Nanjing. And on the Sunday, they were traveling around a number of churches. They split up as a team and traveled around a number of churches to encourage these churches. And one of the people was a, a lady, a Chinese lady from Los Angeles, who went to visit this little church uh, in Nanjing in China. It was a, a poor church. It was made up of farmers, people who lived in the rural areas. And there was 900 that were present on this day who came together to worship. And they asked this sister from church in the USA to come and to share something with them. And so she shared with the believers there about what was happening in her own church back in the US and how it had been growing and they'd been reaching people and caring for people and such was the growth that they were now having to build extra space to be able to um, welcome and, and be able to facilitate space for all the people who were coming. And then she sat down and took her seat. And at the close of the worship time, they actually asked her to come back up to the front and the pastor said that her words that she had spoken about had so thrilled them. They were so excited to hear what God was doing in Los Angeles, in that church there. Believers, people coming to faith in Jesus. She said that we want to give, this pastor said, we want to give to you our entire offering this morning, $140. We want to give it all to you. And, and she said she was overwhelmed. How do you respond to an act of generosity, radical generosity like that. But their hearts were so overcome, were so joy-filled with God's kingdom work in our world, they couldn't help themselves. They were just were so willing, so glad to be able to play a part in this. And it impacted this theologian and this sister in the face so deeply. And Paul says, this is the same picture here that we have, the Macedonian believers. They were so passionate about seeing lives transformed, God's kingdom going forward. There was this overflowing joy that welled up when they saw and heard the need. They just were begging for the privilege of playing a part. And Paul says to the Corinthian church in verse 7, he says, you excel in everything. You excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love that we have kindled in you. He said, but now see that you excel in the grace of giving. And what Paul is saying here is that their giving is a spiritual issue. It's a, it's a matter that is directly related to their relationship with God. They excel in other ways in their relationship with God, but there is this area of giving where God, um, where Paul is just, God's actually by his Holy Spirit through Paul putting his finger on and he is saying, this is a spiritual issue. This is key to your relationship with God, your view of your resources, your view of your possessions and money and how you handle your finances. And this is massive for us today because for many of us, our understanding is that our faith and our relationship with God is over here and our money, our bank account, our resources, our possessions over here. And we have completely separated the two as separate compartments of our lives. 
But we need to understand that our view of the things that we own, of our money, it is a spiritual issue. It matters deeply to God. God is so interested to know what our perspective is on the resources that we have. In the Bible, there are around 500 verses that talk about faith. There are around 500 verses that talk about prayer. And when it comes to the issue of money and our resources, there are over 2,000 verses. Right, so I want you to see first and foremost this morning that this is a spiritual issue. That God cares deeply. He is very interested in what our perspective is on money. And Paul begins to lay the foundation of how we are to view our money in, as, as followers of Jesus. He says this in verse 1. He says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And at the very start here, Paul uses this word grace. He emphasizes in this whole section the word grace. It comes up again and again, the grace of God. We see it again in verse four. The word privilege is used in some translations. It's actually the word charis in, in the Greek, which means grace. And then in verse six, it's there again in verse seven and verse nine. He just keeps emphasizing the grace of God and that this is foundational in our, in our, us having a generous spirit in our understanding, understanding God's perspective on our finances. And when we talk about God's grace, often we think about this in terms of God saving grace through Jesus towards us. But there is also common grace, God's common grace, and that is the generosity he showers on every single person, whether they're a follower of Jesus or not. Um, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. He says that God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is God's common grace to his world. And firstly, Paul wants to make clear that everything we have is by the grace of God. And often, this, this is important because often when it comes to our money and our possessions, we think, well, I have worked so hard for this I, I've earned this through my hard work and so I deserve this and this is mine. This is often our perspective when it comes to this topic. But if you stop and think logically about it for just a moment, you'll know that there's actually a lot more to the story. Firstly, a question for you to reflect on, how did you earn the money to pay for what you actually have? You might say, well, it's because I, I have a job. Well, how did you get that job? Well, you might say, well, it's because of certain abilities and gifts and capacities that I have. Well, how did you get those capacities? Who gave you those capacities? We might say, well, I, I studied hard for that. I acquired them. I, I learned them. But from where did you get the capacity to learn those things in the first place? You see where this goes. Do you see the reality is, is that ultimately it all comes from God. The very fact that you're even born here in Australia, a wealthy country, and that you were not born into poverty, into a third world nation, in that inescapable cycle of poverty, did you have anything at all to do with that? You had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was only by the grace of God. And we need to get hold of this, that it is all by God's grace. The very fact that we have life and breath here today is only because of the grace of God. Did you know that this morning? And we need to understand that all that we have is not actually ours. 
but it actually belongs to God and we are stewards. We're not owners, but we are stewards of what he has entrusted to us. And God makes this really clear throughout the scriptures. In Job 41 verse 11, he says, everything under heaven belongs to me, he says. In Exodus 19, all the earth is mine. In 1 Corinthians, the first letter of the Corinthians, Paul says, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And do you know what this means? It means that everything you have actually belongs to God, not to you. The phone in your pocket this morning, it's not yours, it belongs to God. The car that you drove in to get here this morning, it is not your car, it actually belongs to your heavenly Father. The house that you live in, it is not your house. It actually belongs to God and you are a steward of it. The money, your bank account, it it all belongs to God. And as a dad myself, I love to provide for my children. I love to, 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 to give them things that they need, things that they want, good gifts, to let them know that I love them and I care about them. But there are times when um, the things that I have given to them, they decide they want to keep it for themselves and not share it with others or share it with other siblings. And it can cause tension and, and fights at times. And it's in these moments as a dad, I love to remind them how they got that item in the first place, who paid for that item, and that I can take it off them at any time. And I find this strategy is quite effective. When I come in and I I do this, suddenly their perspective changes from being quite so possessive about their possessions to realise, actually, yeah, there's a point there. Good parenting tip, by the way, if you just want to have some help there this morning. But when we get hold of this truth, that ultimately everything belongs to God, it is incredibly powerful for us, and it actually frees us. Do you know this? It's actually incredibly freeing. It frees us from a possessive and anxious spirit that we can have around the things that we own, around our money and the resources that God has entrusted to us. And rather than asking the question, God, how much of my money should I give to you? Instead, we ask the question, God, how much of your money should I be keeping for myself? It's a total shift in thinking. And as we realize that we are just temporary stewards of the things that God has given to us and we can't take any of it with us, it frees us from this possessive and this anxious spirit. One of the most generous people that I know is my brother Jono, incredibly generous with things that he has, so quick to lend to others. And years ago when we were planning our first trip over to Fraser Island, he offered to lend to us his full drive. And this is a big thing, you know, his pride and joy to take it with us. And we took it over for our first trip. And while we're over there on this trip on Fraser Island, we actually got quite stuck in his car and it was bogged in sand right up to the axles and I was a little bit worried but I want to tell you I wasn't super stressed about it because it wasn't my car it was my brother's car so I was pretty relaxed we did get it out and we got it home the next year it was a different story the next year we bought our own four-wheel drive and we took it over and I want to I got stuck again I want to tell you I was a lot more stressed about it because I owned it but you see how when we think we are the owners, we have this possessive, this anxious spirit. And God says, hey, remember, you are stewards of what I have given to you. And it frees us in this way. It frees us from the fear that we can have so much around these things, from this possessive, anxious spirit that we can so easily fall into. And so this is a really key truth. And not only that, that everything comes from God, everything belongs to God, but also that God is our provider. That our faith and trust is not in the things that God provides for us, but actually in the one who provides. 
And we need to get hold of this as well. This is a foundation. If we wanted to live with radical generosity, we need to understand this first and foremost. A little while back now, I received a text message from a business owner in our church. He sent the following to me. He said, brother, I just shared this with my Bible study group and I wanted to share it with you as well. He said, money is tight and my lovely wife is wondering how we are gonna make it through until work starts flowing through on the projects we have won up to now. So I come upstairs and I know I have to pray. So I pray to the Lord stating our trust is in Him and for God just to keep us calm with the knowledge He will provide a way through. I swear to you all, not 30 seconds after the words came out of my mouth, I got an email confirming a $280,000 job in which we will be getting a 50% deposit on. Now these sort of terms turn up once in a lifetime for us in this industry, but that doesn't matter for it turned up today. I cannot thank God enough for His care and provision. How good is that church? This is our God. He is our provider. And He wants us not to place our faith and trust in the things that He provides for us, but to place our trust in Him, the one who provides everything we need, the one with unlimited resources. And this is a foundation, a foundation for us in being able to live with generous hearts. And Paul continues in verse five, he says, and they exceeded our expectations. Talking about the Macedonians, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. And so Paul is saying here, the key to their radical generosity was not only their understanding of the grace of God, but secondly, because they were devoted to God first and foremost. He had first priority in their lives. And I think when it comes to talking about God and money, we are worried, we are afraid because we think God's gonna come and ask us to give it all away. That God is secretly just trying to get hold of all of our money, sort of like a scam or something like that is sometimes how we can think. But you need to understand that God does not need your money. In case you didn't realize that God is pretty sorted in the resources department. The Bible tells us this truth, that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's pretty sorted in this regard. Jesus took a couple of loaves and a few fish and he fed thousands of people with basketfuls left over. Such is the capacity that he has. And I love the story in Matthew 17 where Jesus entered into Capernaum and was asked by the officials to pay the temple tax and he told Peter in Matthew 17 verse 26, this is the coolest story, this is such a good story. He said to Peter, go down to the lake and throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish you catch and you will find a large silver coin, take it out and pay the tax for both of us. Isn't that the coolest story around God's provision? Jesus is amazing, isn't he? You get the picture, God does not need your money. He's not dependent upon your money. So why then, if God doesn't need our money, why does the Bible speak so much about this topic? Why is there such a focus on this? Why does Jesus speak about this? The only thing he speaks more about than money is about the kingdom of God. Why is that the case? Well, it certainly wasn't because he needed the money. The reason for this is because Jesus knew that money is actually a matter of the heart for each and every one of us. He understood the incredible power that money can hold over us. 
That is why Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He said, for where your treasure is, there your, what? There your heart will be also. Jesus knew that this is actually a heart issue. It's not so much a money issue as it is a heart issue. And the reason God is so concerned about this is not because he needs our money, but because he wants our heart. He wants our complete devotion. He wants first place in our lives. And we see this so clearly here in the passage. Paul says about the Macedonians here, he says that they gave themselves first of all to the Lord, he says. They were devoted to God first and foremost. God had their hearts completely, which made the money issue an easy one for them. One writer on this passage says that these beloved Christians first gave the greatest gift themselves, then afterwards it was an easy thing for them to give their money. You see, God wants our hearts. And then in verse 8, Paul continues. He says, and I am not commanding. He says, this is not a, a compulsion thing. This is not a duty thing. But he says, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. And Paul says here, the issue of money is actually a test for the Corinthian believers and a test for us of the sincerity of their love for God. And here's what I've discovered along the journey of faith and the journey of life. And that is that there are times along the journey where God will test each and every one of us around this area of our money and our finances and our possessions. There'll be times where he will ask us to give generously and sacrificially to others. And the Bible speaks about our, our tithe, which is 10% of our regular income that is devoted to God, giving Him the, the best first, you know, giving Him the first fruit, so to speak. Giving towards His kingdom, His work in reaching people and caring for people. And, then, and that, that is a test of our heart, our tithe. Being able to give that to Him, a, a test of our trust in the one who provides rather than the things He provides to us. And then there are times when God asks us to be generous over and above this, being sacrificially generous over and above. Many years ago, now when we we're first starting here at the church, um, we had a moment, my wife and I had a moment where we sensed God was asking us to give away to a particular project that the church was working on at the time. And uh, we just, I just started working at the church. We'd gone from two incomes and no kids to uh, having a child and not having any income or very little income at the time. And uh, I just started interning here at the church. I was studying at Bible college at the time. My wife fell pregnant at the same time. And so we found ourselves in this position, but we felt God was prompting us to give a certain amount of money away. And it was one of those situations where I had this prompting about it. And I sort of mentioned it to my wife. She said, yes, I've had the same prompting. And she said to me, do you have an amount of money in mind? I said, yes, I do. This is the amount. And she said, that's the exact same amount that I had on my heart as well. And so we knew in that moment, this was coming from the Holy Spirit. But we started to pray. Well, I started to process, what does this mean? Like, how do we do this? You know, we've got a baby coming. We've got to buy all this baby gear yet. And financially, it doesn't really make sense. How's this all going to work? But in the midst of that, we decided just to give this gift anyway. And it was only about a week later that somebody totally random from the community dropped in. As I think back now, it may well have been an angel. It could have, could have been. 
But somebody dropped in from our community and dropped off all this baby gear that they no longer needed. And there was a whole heap of gear in there in very good condition, baby seats, porta cots, all that sort of stuff you need to get at the start. And someone from the office rang us and said, somebody dropped in this baby gear, would you be interested in it? We said, yes, we would be interested. And as we picked it up and unpacked it and saw all these this items there, we were blown away. Because the items that were there were worth so much more than the offering that we gave. So much more. And in that moment, we knew that was a gift from God and God letting us know that he was our provider, that we could trust him. And as I look back now, I know that that was actually a test from God for us. As we were stepping into ministry, God wanted to know, did he have our hearts? Who was, who was it that we were looking to? Who was it that we were trusting in? And I have found that God does this for each and every one of us. He tests us in this area because he wants to know that he has our hearts, that we are trusting in him. And this is so foundational for us as well. And so I want you to be aware of this, church. I want you to be aware of this in your own journeys when God is prompting you in this way. And I want to tell you that um, as I was reflecting on this passage as well, I was looking at this picture of generosity. It made me think to your heart as a church and it made me um, incredibly humbled, in fact, and so thankful to God for the amazing heart of generosity that is reflected in this place. So I was thinking back over um, just this year alone. I remember when the coronavirus first hit and uh, when it came on, a, a lot of thoughts began to go through my mind. What would this mean for us as a church? What would it mean for the resourcing of ministries and care and outreach in the community that takes place? What would it mean for our staff team? And I had a number of those nights lying awake thinking about this, wondering what it would mean. Our finance team, our church council were very aware of the potential challenges that lay ahead as well. I remember having meetings together when we discussed this and looked at it and, and, uh, and, and prayed over this together. And I want to tell you, we are so blessed as a church by the um, incredibly qualified and gifted and experienced and godly and wise teams that we have, finance team and church council team. Well, I'm so thankful to God for them as well. But as we look now 10 months in, I, I want to tell you that the response has been incredibly humbling. And many times as we've gathered together as a team and talked about it, we've said that phrase a lot. This is so humbling, both to see God's provision and to see your heart of generosity as a church. Very early on in the coronavirus situation kicking in, there was a, a number of people in the church who God had enabled and God has given the gift of giving. The Bible talks about that, the gift of giving in Romans, in fact. And they reached out and were able to give some funds to the church just to let us know, that, um, to encourage us, to affirm us. And I want to tell you, that was incredibly humbling to receive those gifts from those people. And then over the next number of months, our regular giving uh, maintained. Sort of, I was watching it carefully and not only maintained, it started to go up a little bit. I was thinking, wow, God, this is incredible. This is so humbling to see your provision, the heart in this place. And because of your generous giving church, not one of our 32 staff um, had to be um, laid off or anything like that. And I want to say thank you so much for your generosity in that way. And then at the same time as COVID was starting, we had our Easter appeal, which we do every year. And as we received our Easter appeal, we released it to Bridge Care to bless people who are doing it tough in our community, in our local area and across our city. And the response again was amazing. $60,000 came in to that Easter appeal, more than double what we would normally receive for our Easter appeal. And again, I was thinking, God, this doesn't make sense. This is incredibly humbling. Thank you for the generosity of heart of people. 
And then we were prompted to do hampers to help bless people who are in need in our community. If you remember that, and we started to wonder how many we could get out. And we did the first thousand, which was amazing. And then another thousand, another thousand. We have now done 6,000 hampers out to our community. That's worth a lot of money in terms of the resourcing in that, the, the items in that. And that's all because of your generosity, church. And now we're getting ready at Christmas to do another 2,000. Again, that's more than double what we've ever done, ever before at Christmas. And I want to say thank you for your heart of generosity in that regard. And then in the midst of all of this as well, we sense God's strong leading to step forward in faith with the purchase of our city venue. And again, when we were looking at this, one of the first discussions we had was around, you know, all the economic uncertainty as a team. And, you know, it's probably not the wisest time to press forward and buy a facility like that and the dollars involved in that. But we sensed as we prayed together, God was saying, no, step forward in faith. We sensed him saying that clearly, and so we did that. We stepped forward in faith, and the response again to that has been amazing. So far already, $346,000 has come in towards that appeal um, to, to, to move towards the purchase of that city, which is absolutely incredible. And, and there are so many more acts of generosity across this church and love and care that will never be seen, that are never known about, that happen all the time. And so this, this morning, church, I want to say thank you. Thank you for living out this heart of generosity. And I think we should thank our great God for his provision as well and put our hands together. He is a good God. He is so faithful. And we know it is so true. It is so much more blessed to give than to receive, isn't it? We know the joy as his people and being, having the privilege. It is a privilege to be a part of God's kingdom work and caring for people and reaching out. And listen to how Paul finishes this section here. He says these words in verse 9. He says, For you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And, and this is the foundation, isn't it? This is the key to everything. Here is this word grace again, but now it's no longer talking about common grace. It is now talking about the saving grace that God has extended to us through Jesus. It's a reminder to us that we were spiritually poor and bankrupt. We had nothing to give. Jesus was rich. He had everything. And yet such was his generosity towards us. That he left all the glory of heaven, and he humbled himself. He became poor. He was born in a manger so that we might experience the riches of adoption that we've already heard about this morning. Sally's sharing about that. So that we might be called children of the living God, so that we might become joint heirs in his royal inheritance. And when you know this truth, when you know how rich you are spiritually and how generous our God is, that he would give his one and only son, I want to tell you, how can you not be a generous people? It is the natural response to the understanding of the gospel. When it is taken hold in your heart, you cannot help but want to give and be generous. It wells up within you just like the Macedonian believers. And that is why Jesus spoke these words, he said, freely you have received. Freely you've received, now freely give. And that is God's call for us this morning. 
And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never had that moment of placing your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you're watching online, you've never had that moment. And this issue of finances and money has become an area of great stress and worry and concern for you and it's crippling you this morning. Well, I want you to tell you that it begins by coming to this place of understanding what Jesus has done for you. That he became poor so that you would become rich spiritually. And when you come and you understand that and you have that moment of placing your faith and trust in him, putting him first in your life, it brings an incredible peace. It brings a freedom. It brings a freedom. Maybe it has been the money issue. It's been the obstacle for you in placing your faith and trust in Jesus. Well, if it is this morning, hear God's word to you this morning. That he wants you to lay it down, to come to him. And as you do, he wants to reveal to you that he is your provider. That he is the one in whom you can trust. Not in the things that he provides for us. And we want to continue, church, to keep pouring out, to be more generous, in fact, than ever before. The needs we know in this season are great. And God is calling us to be his hands and feet. And I can't wait for Christmas. Again, we'll have an opportunity to give to our world, to those in need. 2,000 more hampers, more opportunities through bridge care. But this is to be our heart as a people. So will you join with me as we pray together this morning? Let's join in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word to us this morning. It's just so relevant, Lord. It's so practical and helpful to us, great God. And I want to say thank you this morning. Thank you for the generosity in this place. But Lord, we hear your call to us again this morning, Lord, that you want us just to keep pouring out our hearts, keep the things you've entrusted to us, Lord. And we are so blessed. We are in this nation, Lord, in this community, in this church. You have blessed us incredibly, Lord. And so we don't want to hold on to things. We want to keep giving away. We want to keep blessing as you lead us and prompt us, I pray. I want to pray for some this morning where this issue of money and finances is, is really particularly an issue that's causing great fear and worry and anxiety this morning. I want to pray that you will affirm for them, Lord, that you will bring just the ministry of your peace by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that they can trust you. I want to pray for those who are facing financial uncertainty and, and hardship at the moment. Lord, there's great concern there and great need there. Well, Lord, I want to pray that you will provide for them as they bring it to you, great God, that they will see your hand in supernatural ways and amazing ways, Lord, affirming, great God, that you're with them and that you are for them. I pray you know the needs, Lord, across our church family, you know the needs, great God, across our community and city and beyond, Lord. We bring these to you. And Lord, we want to pray that for some too, I want to pray, Lord, this morning, who you might be prompting, Lord. Just this morning, this is that one of those times in the journey where you just want to test that you've got our hearts, great God. Well, if there's any in that situation this morning, you've been, you've been speaking to, prompting just to give towards something, give away to bless someone, give towards some, some cause, Lord. I pray, Lord, if they've been questioning this or uncertain about this, that this morning it would be a moment of surrender to you, Lord, and they'll look back and be so thankful that they said yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Help us to respond in faith and obedience to you, Lord, we pray. This is our heart, great God. And so, Lord, again, as we close our service, we surrender our lives to you afresh. Every part of our lives, Lord, we want you to know that you have our hearts, Lord. But we want to follow you with everything, Lord, absolutely everything. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song of response this morning. I do want to mention too, another blessing this morning is that a 
couple of gentlemen in our church, Trevor and Alan, have just written a resource on this very issue on the topic of money and God's perspective on our time, our talent and our treasure. That's what the book's called, Time, Talent, Treasure. It's a little guide, a resource for you. And the timing of it becoming available is, is absolutely perfect. And because of their generosity, we're actually able to make a, a number of these resources available to you for free this morning. You can just take one. And I've only been able to touch briefly on some of the things that God's Word talks about in this issue. And those resources will give you far more as well. And so I want to encourage you to head out. You'll see a table there to grab hold of that. And we're so thankful to Trevor and Alan and Sam as well for their generosity of heart in that. But you feel free to take that. And if you'd like to know more too, there's a, you can express interest in being part of a group that they'll look at setting up where you can journey through that book with others as well if you want to do that. So take hold of that. That's a gift for you this morning as well. But let's stand together as we worship now. Let's stand and give thanks to our great God. Amen. We thank you for this truth. We are the most blessed people in all the world to know, Lord, it's true our debt has been paid, great God, that you have poured out your blessing upon us, that we are now called children of the living God, Lord. And so, Lord, because of this blessing you have poured into our hearts, Lord, I pray now, great God, that you will use us this week. The worship actually is just beginning as we head out those doors now. Lord, bless our conversations with one another. Lord, we wanna be people completely devoted to you, Lord. Every area of our lives, great God. And so I pray this week, you'll help us to respond to the things you've been saying to us, Lord, that we would be light in this world, Lord. Light in the darkness, Lord. The theme of this series, Lord, let light shine. Out of the darkness, we pray. And so use us as your people. Bless each one, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks so much for sharing with us this morning. Those joining us online as well. God bless you. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.